When you buy a house, you need a surveyor. Now, why do you need a surveyor? Well, a surveyor is somebody who goes and looks around a house and really will tell you bad news. They will tell you the faults. They will tell you if there's any problems. They will tell you what's structurally there, if there's any things you need to worry about, any things that are just below the surface. Because you could walk into a house and everything could look fine, but a surveyor could walk in and say, actually, there's a lot of uh, problems here. And so you are telling the surveyor, you are paying a surveyor to tell you bad news in one sense, aren't you? You are paying them, you're asking them, tell me what's broken and what needs to be done. Now, when we take a quick survey of the world this morning, I don't need to spend long to tell you that it's broken. You don't need to be an expert you to see, as we look around the world, there are so many issues that we've got as humans. We look at the wars and the divisions, the hate and the injustice. We look at the racism and the betrayal and the abuse. And it's just heartbreaking stuff going on all around us. And it is clear that things in this world are broken. You know, we might try and paper over the cracks, put wallpaper on over the cracks as a way of this world by um, trying different things in politics or with education, with different movements that rise up and come and go. And they might help in certain ways, but then we end up taking one step forward and five steps back, don't we? And we just seem to be in a constant uh, mess that we're in. Now, not just looking at the world this morning, but let's take a look at our lives and our hearts. Again, we don't need to spend long to admit that we're broken, do we? That we've failed, that things aren't right. I was listening to an interview recently with Stephen Fry, um, the comedian and an atheist as well. But it's interesting what he said. He said this, most of us want to be better. I know that's true of me all the time. Every time I go off to sleep, I think, how did I screw up today? How can I be better tomorrow? Why am I so bad at this? You know, and that isolates the problem for us, doesn't it? End of every day, we look back and we think, oh, things I could have done, I didn't. Things I did do that I shouldn't. Why am I like this? What's broken? Well, the Bible's answer if we come to the Bible and to say, can you survey my life? If we come to God and say, survey my life, tell me what's wrong, the Bible tells us that there's a deeper issue than just behavioral stuff, than just those things that we sometimes do. There's something deep that's wrong. The problems of pain and frustrations and failure that we face and injustice that we see all around us. The deeper issue is we have cut ourselves off from God. We have walked out on Him. And as a result of that, we, the world is falling apart. We were created, remember, Genesis tells us, to, to know, love, enjoy God. We were created for that, but we walked out on it. And now the world is falling apart because we've walked out on the giver of life, the one who created us. And that is a huge problem. Cut off from God. But here's an even bigger problem. As humans, naturally, we don't want to listen to what the problem is. We don't want the surveyor, as it were, to come round. We're kind of happy to keep papering over the cracks. Or even if we're not happy, we're kind of living with it, even though it might be peeling off and it's really obvious there's something wrong, we just kind of put some more wallpaper paste on and, and carry on. We don't want to know as humans what the problem is. We think, I don't need any help. I can do this on my own. I'm fine as I am. Again, even if we don't actually say those words, the way that we keep living seems to show that's what we believe. In this passage, we meet the person who is our hope. 
we meet Jesus Christ. He comes and he surveys our life and he says, this is the issue and I've come to save you. This is the issue and I've come to show you. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, you won't like the bill at the end as it were, but this can give you hope. So how can we truly see our problem? If Jesus has got the answer to show us what's wrong, but we don't want to know, how does that connect? How do we see who Jesus is? How do we understand the message of the Bible? Well, this is what we're coming to, and this is where we jump into this passage and we see why we've been given the Holy Spirit and what it is we're thinking about this morning, even thinking about Pentecost and and what that means. You see, chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and he's saying, I'm leaving. Remember, this is the passage where he's talking to disciples before he goes. And he says, I'm going and you can't come with me. And he says, but it's good news I'm going because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, we're going to see this morning, one of his roles is to help us to understand what the Bible's all about, to understand who we are and to understand who Jesus is. So the Holy Spirit coming is is a great help to us. And it is to our advantage that Jesus went because without him going, we couldn't have uh, had the gift of the Holy Spirit. So why is the Holy Spirit, why is he so important? Well, those two reasons we're going to look at that I mentioned just now. The Holy Spirit helps us to truly know ourselves and the Holy Spirit helps us to truly know Jesus. That's what we're going to see in this passage. The Holy Spirit helps us to truly know ourselves and the Holy Spirit helps us to truly know Jesus. Let's start with that first one. The Holy Spirit helps us to truly know ourselves. Jesus wants these disciples to know, look, even though you're sad that I'm going, it is better if I go. We've thought about this a bit, haven't we? If you wanted to be with Jesus um, uh, 2,000 years ago, you'd have had to be at one point at one time. You'd have to have been in that room at that time. And if Jesus left, you wouldn't be with him. But now, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit we saw in chapter 14, the presence of Jesus is with us all over the world, not just stuck in one place at one time. But as well, he says, it's better if I go because the Holy Spirit has a job to do. What's his job? Well, look at verse 8 with me. Do you see chapter 16, verse 8? When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Three things that the Holy Spirit does. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that he convicts us about sin, righteousness, and judgment? Well, let's have a look at each in turn because Jesus explains it himself here. He says, look, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he is going to convict the world about the truth about sin. And what is that, verse 9? Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Jesus came as our saviour to save and rescue us, but we thought we can do it on our own. I don't need a saviour. I can do this if I just have enough effort, enough strength. If I just turn over one more new leaf, I can sort it out. I can, I can solve the problem. You know, a bit more hard work, a bit more resolutions, a bit more self-help, then I can sort it out. We really want to be our own saviour. We don't want Jesus. But as we look at our lives, and as we look at the world around, how is that going? How is it going really saying that we don't need Jesus? See, we fail, don't we, to keep our own standards, let alone God's. We're good at seeing other people's faults, but we can't see our own. And Jesus tells us the reason that we can't seem to stop or change ourselves, the reason that we seem in the same rut all the time is because you don't believe you need a saviour. You think you can do it alone. 
The ultimate sin, we're told here, is not believing and trusting in Jesus. We look at Jesus' death on the cross and we say, I don't need that. I can do it on my own. I don't need a saviour. And the Holy Spirit's role, he comes and he shows us and helps us to see that we do need a saviour. In one sense, it's, it's like we, we kind of think we're in a paddling pool. We've got a kind of a paddling pool problem. You know, we're a bit stuck. I just need, and somebody throws a, a life ring in a paddling pool and we look at it and go, yeah, I'm okay. I think I'll just get to the end on my own. But the reality the Bible says is that we're drowning in the sea and Jesus dives in to save us. And the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see what's going on. If we go back to the surveyor illustration, you know, we're thinking, it's okay, I can solve the problems in this house that's crumbling all around me. I've got some polyfiller, yeah? Or I've got gaffer tape. Oh, there's a crack, gaffer tape, you know? Oh, there's that, that thing's wobbling, it shouldn't be gaffer tape. It's, I'll sort it. But the problem is the foundations are crumbling. The house is falling down. We need an expert. We can't do it on our own. And Jesus says, let me rebuild this house. Let me, let me sort this mess out. The role of the Holy Spirit is to show us our need for Jesus. I wonder if you see that this morning. Maybe you look at your heart and your life and you think, yeah, I've been trying to do this alone and I can't do it anymore. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, opening our eyes, helping us see the truth about sin. The second thing, as he says, is the truth concerning righteousness. Righteousness. Well, what does that mean? Well, he tells us in verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. So he's talking about his righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. Because Jesus died and rose again, it shows that Jesus' perfect life was true. The life he lived uh, was perfect and he didn't do anything wrong. You know, we can sometimes think, oh, well, well I'm okay. You know, where if we were to kind of rank ourselves on how good we are, we kind of put ourselves in the middle, don't we? We know there are people better than us, but we know there are people worse. And so we kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah, I'm okay. But the problem is, when you compare yourself to Jesus, you realize how not okay you are. When you're standing next to brilliance and perfection, you, f you feel and you see all of your faults. I remember when I was um, in Thailand for a few months, and while I was there, we played a lot of football to try and use that to help people to tell people about Jesus. And one of the times where we were there, I can't remember how we ended up doing it, but we were playing a game and we were in a stadium. It wasn't crowds and crowds in the stadium. Don't want to give you any false delusions of how, <laughs> how um, I was playing football. But in this team that I was in, I was on the right, I was the right back and the centre back was a missionary from Brazil and he was an ex-professional footballer. So, you know, however good I thought I was at football, Next to his brilliance, I felt pathetic. Every time he took the ball, he just had a composure and he put it where he wanted it. You know, he just could do whatever he wanted. I had the ball and I then panic and I think, oh no, I don't know how to do a kick here, you know, and just scuff it or something. And then he was just, you could tell there was just a brilliance there. You could tell he was holding it back as well because right towards the end, we needed to score a couple of goals. So he got the ball, run up, top corner every time. He could just do it if he wanted to. There was brilliance there and I felt my weakness, my inadequacy. That's a silly way of showing it, but do you see Jesus is saying, you need to see my righteousness. You need to see my brilliance. Because when you see that, then you'll see how much you need me. You'll see your failure. See, sometimes we can look the part and look righteous, but in reality, our hearts can be far from that. Um, 
in fact, it's an illustration of this at the beginning of the passage we haven't quite looked at yet, from verses 4 down to 6. Um, look what happens there. Jesus is saying uh, in those verses, I didn't say these things to you uh, from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, Jesus says, none of you have asked me where I'm going. If, we, if we'd have read this in one go, we should be thinking, hang on, but they did ask where are you going? In chapter 14, the disciples ask there, where are you going? So what's Jesus saying here? What's going on? Well, the point is that they were asking, where is he going? But they weren't really asking about his destination. They weren't asking for him. They were asking for themselves. They were so overcome with sorrow, Jesus says, that you haven't even bothered thinking about what I'm going to do. The fact that I'm going to the cross, the fact that I'm going to go back to, to heaven. You're just asking because you're, you're so absorbed with yourself because you're full of this sorrow. So they asked the right question in one sense, but their motives were far from right. And that in a way illustrates how our righteousness can be, well, so far from what the Bible tells us it should be. See, we can do things that appear good, but in our hearts, we're doing them for all the wrong reasons. You can be very active in church. You can be doing all the right things, being in the right meetings, saying the right things, but you're only there because you want other people to see you, maybe. Or you're only doing something and serving in a certain way to make you feel better. You can give to charity, can't you? But you can give to charity just to make yourself feel better, to cleanse your conscience. And you're not giving for the love of the need and the people. You can pray, you can read your Bible, but you can do that in a way that maybe is hoping that you can twist God's arm. If I read my Bible and pray today, then maybe he'll give me what I want. We're not doing it for him, we're doing it for ourselves. There's a story I've told a few times. Um, it's not a true story, it's not in the Bible, but it gets this point across about um, Jesus was with his disciples. And he turns to his disciples and he says, please, will you carry a stone for me? Hey, please, would you carry a stone for me? No explanation. And so the disciples look for a stone to carry. And Peter, very practical, found the smallest stone that he could. Put this little pebble in his pocket. And um, he said, well, Jesus didn't say if it should be big or heavy. So put it in his pocket and and Jesus said, follow me. So they followed him and they went on this really long journey up hills and mountains. It was hot, it was sweaty, everybody was tired and it was then lunchtime. And so everybody sat down and um, Jesus waved his hands and he turned all the stones that the disciples were carrying into bread. And he says, time for lunch. Peter looked at his pebble and thought it was very disappointed. <laughs> anyway, after lunch, Jesus said, right, I'd like you to carry a stone for me. So Peter this time thinks, right, I've got it. And he finds the biggest stone he can find and he carries it. And again, Jesus says, follow me. Now Peter could barely pick up the stone and he follows Jesus and they walk around up and down the hills and tired. And then it came to supper time and Jesus said, okay, now I want you to throw your stones in the water. And Peter said, you know, they're, they're all confused. The disciples saying, what's going on? And Jesus says, don't you remember what I asked you to do? I asked you to carry a stone for me. Peter who are you carrying that stone for? You see, was he doing what Jesus says? Well, yes, but why was he doing it? We can end up doing things just for us. The disciples were saying the right things, but they weren't doing it for the right reasons. Next to the righteousness of Jesus, who had pure motives, perfect righteousness, the job of the Holy Spirit is to show us, you know, Jesus' righteousness is the, is the benchmark, not somebody else who you can find who's done some bad things. And so the job of the Holy Spirit is to show us that, to convict us and to make us see, 
wow, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. The truth about sin, the truth about righteousness. And the last thing is he says the truth about judgment. You see that in verse um, 11. Concerning judgment, because of the ruler of this world is judged. And the ruler of this world we see from other places in John is talking about Satan. And one of the, the things that Satan has done is he's blinded our eyes to see who Jesus is. He has clouded our judgment so that it was plausible for people in the first century to kill Jesus. It seemed like the right thing to do. They looked at Jesus and they thought, we're going to kill him. Why? Because they were deceived. They couldn't, didn't have the right judgment. And so G, uh, Satan is now going to be uh, judged and exposed because of the resurrection of Jesus, as it said in verse 10. I'm going to my Father, and, and now because of that, the ruler of this world is going to be judged. He's going to be exposed. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to show us that our spiritual discernment has been off, that we haven't had the right way of dealing and seeing things, and we need His help to see. Now, we're thinking about Pentecost a little today because it's Pentecost Sunday. And on that first Pentecost day, in Acts 2, we read that Peter is speaking to those who crucified Jesus. So, 50 days later, he's speaking to them and he says this, um, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him, this Jesus delivered himself up to the plan and fallen knowledge of God, you crucified and killed. And then he goes on to say, um, that this Christ, the one who is God and made both, um, the, the one who is Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And then it tells us, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, brothers, what shall we do? You see, they, 50 days before, they thought it was a great idea to kill Jesus. But now the work of the Spirit was at work in their hearts. They saw, what have we done? Perhaps you can remember a time where the cross meant nothing to you, where you'd think of the cross and it would just be kind of something in the calendar maybe, or maybe be something you'd mock, maybe something that was just worthless. But now it is precious to you. Can you see the difference that the Holy Spirit has done in your heart? He has shown you that. Maybe at the moment you're coming to understand and you're starting to see just how important the cross is. You know, you're seeing that you thought it was pointless, but now suddenly you're seeing maybe there's something in this. Maybe this is what I've been looking for. Maybe the answer is in the cross. You see the work of the Holy Spirit helping you concerning your judgment about spiritual things. So the work of the Holy Spirit is spelled out here. Without him, we think we're fine. We think I can assess my situation without a problem. I don't need any help. But the Holy Spirit comes and shows us the reality. We need a saviour. We're not as righteous as we think we are. And we can't trust our judgment. We're blind to our own blindness. And the Holy Spirit helps us to know um, and see those things. Now, those things to hear aren't very nice, are they? Like a surveyor going round your house and saying, yeah, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem, this is going to cost you. You know, here's the bill, and you think, oh, thanks. What have I paid you for, you know? Well, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and shows us what's wrong. It's hard, but it saves us. This is our hope. He opens our eyes. He helps to see the truth about ourselves. And secondly, and much more, um, much quicker, is 
as well, the second thing the Holy Spirit shows us is the truth about ourselves, uh, the truth about Jesus, and the, the truth about ourselves, and the truth about Jesus. So the second heading is the truth about Jesus. Now notice here, um, he goes on to tell us in verses 12 down to 15, um, something else that the Holy Spirit does. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now, Jesus says to the disciples. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Wherever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, the verses here, he's speaking to the disciples, and they mean something different to us today, as that they would, they, we apply them differently. That's what I mean. So Jesus, back in chapter 14, said this, These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit is going to come and help the disciples to lead them into all truth, to help them remember all the things that Jesus taught supernaturally so that they could then tell others. So that's different to us today. So what difference does these verses make to us? Well, where do we find the truths that Jesus helped the disciples to understand? Where do we find the truth that he led, the, uh, led them into? Where do we find what they remember that Jesus promised that they would learn and, and remember? Well, that's what we see in the New Testament. That's why it was written by people who had encountered the risen Jesus. He said, I'm going to help you by my Spirit to, to teach these things. So, how does this help us to know Jesus better? I'll think of what it tells us. The role of the Holy Spirit, verse 14, is to glorify Jesus, to make Jesus look great. And so, he takes what is Jesus is and he declares it to us. That means when we read the Bible, we should expect to see wonderful things about Jesus. We should expect to encounter him, to get to know him better. Now, I wonder how we read the Bible. Sometimes it, we can turn it into a rule book, can't we? Or a guide for life or a manual. And if we do that, we're going to kill the Bible. Does it tell us about things about our life and how we should live? Of, of course it does. But it's, it's so much more than that. It is telling us and showing us things about Jesus. That's why it's written. That's what the truth is. And so as we read the Bible, we expect to encounter Jesus. As we're reading um, the whole of the Bible, Jesus tells us in the end of Luke when he's on the road to Emmaus, it is all talking about me. So as we're reading two Chronicles this month as a church, we should be on the lookout for Jesus. It's going to tell us glorious things of him because the work of the Holy Spirit is to shine a light on Jesus Christ. Remember, as I said a few weeks ago, if you go to a football or rugby match uh, and it's in the night and the floodlights are on, if you come home saying, well, those floodlights are pretty great, you've missed the point. The lights were there to show us the game. The Holy Spirit's role is to show us the glory and the greatness of Christ. So when it comes to reading the Bible, we pray, would you help us, Holy Spirit, to see great things about Jesus, to encounter him. The Bible is an invitation to get to know Jesus better, to enjoy him. And when we see that, it'll help us uh, to read it in a way that is meant to be read. Now, just to close, I want to say four words the difference that these should make in our lives, okay? The difference of what we've seen in this passage. Remember the role of the Holy Spirit to tell us the truth about ourselves and the truth about Jesus. So what? Four words. The first is see. Maybe it's time for you to see what the Holy Spirit has done in your life. Maybe you took communion for the first time this morning. 
maybe you're thinking about taking communion and you haven't yet but you know that this is true you know that this is real maybe you're watching at home and you have realized the truths in the bible are true can you see what's happening the holy spirit is working in your life and maybe you don't realize it yet but you're trusting in jesus already if that is the case please tell someone share with someone and say what well, i think this has happened i think this is, i think i'm trusting maybe you need to acknowledge and see what god has already done in your heart or maybe you're nearly there and it's time for you to say i'm going to trust the first thing is see the second thing is second word is share see what this means the role of the holy spirit is to show people how great jesus is to show them the truth about the cross to show them the truth about themselves and so if we want more people to hear about jesus and to trust in jesus what do we do we need to tell them but listen it doesn't matter how fancy or good or structured our words are it's god that saves not us it is not down to your fancy argument it is down to the work of the holy spirit so share with confidence because god can save he saved you and he can save them so think of that person you love however much you argue however well your structured arguments are unless the holy spirit works they're not going to believe so we need to share and trust but that leads us on to the third word which is pray the work of the holy spirit is to convict people so we need to pray that he does that's why we pray that's why we pray as a church we pray for one another and we pray for those who don't yet know so join us for our prayer meetings pray together god would save we need him to work only he can so we see the work that god is doing share the brilliant news pray and the last one is read you know it's always kind of a bit of a disappointment you think oh so the application is basically read the bible but no the application is read the bible to meet with jesus read the bible to meet with jesus to get to know him better and to see him as great to see him as glorious not just read the bible tick but here's an invitation like jesus says come and meet with me by my spirit through the word and let's look out for jesus and as we see how great he is our lives will be transformed uh, he'll give us hope in the darkest of times and strength when we feel like we can't go on so the role of the holy spirit let's thank god for the gift of the holy spirit today he shows us the truth about ourselves and the truth about jesus so let's see share pray and read let's pray uh, before we look and sing our last song together holy spirit we want to thank you now for the work you've done in many lives here how you've helped us to see the truth about ourselves that we do need a savior that we're not as righteous as we think we are and that we can't see things clearly on our own help us open our eyes and we thank you that you have and we pray for those who haven't yet trusted lord would you please do a work in their lives people watching at home uh, people listening lord whoever it is we pray please that you would help them to see that they need jesus lord help us as a church to be dependent on you to pray that you would open eyes and that you would work and we pray as well that we would be uh, a church that is thrilled by jesus encountering him in your word and we pray this all in jesus name for his glory's sake amen